0: Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Today's teaching comes from Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. So many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up twelve baskets full of pieces of bread and fish, Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everyone. Yes, we can do that, right? We can greet each other. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tom Butler. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning we're going to continue in our study of the book of Mark. I don't know about you, but I have really been enjoying our study. I'm going to back up a little bit. Uh, is that right? Is that what I'm supposed to say? Good. Um, Mark is just such a wonderful book. And it, it, its pace and what he chooses to cover is awesome to this point. Uh, We have been through a lot, and now we're coming to uh, a passage that a lot of people, whether they're church-going people or not, are familiar with, or at least they've heard of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And you go, oh, yeah, I know that story. Yeah, you know, they were out in the middle of nowhere, and and Jesus took uh, a couple loaves of bread and some fish and fed 5,000 people and had a bunch left over, got it, know what that's about. And yet... Familiarity sometimes causes us to gloss over what it is that we're supposed to learn from the passage. And so I'm really excited this morning for us to slow down and take a little deeper look at what was going on there and really get the heart of Jesus in, in, in this passage. So before we jump into the text, I wonder if you would just pray with me. Lord, this morning uh, we're approaching your word And even though it may be a passage that we've heard of or heard taught or think we know, Lord, I pray that you would set aside our preconceived notions of that and that your spirit would have free reign in our hearts. Lord, I just pray that for each one of us here, that you would make us more like you because we were here this morning. We're so thankful for uh, the bookmark that we can go through, and I just pray that you would lead the way this morning. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So keep in mind uh, a couple of things. First of all, the purpose of the book of Mark. The purpose of the book of Mark is that we may know Jesus, who he is, and that we are invited to follow him. There we go, to show us who Jesus is and invite us to follow him. So we've been through that process. Now, We are still, as you remember Parker's structure of the book, there were three different sections that the book of Mark is divided into. We're still in that first section about who Jesus, who is Jesus. We're still trying to figure that out. So as we're listening and as we're going through the passage this morning, just keep in mind, that's the section of the book that we're in. We're still learning who Jesus is. So our text today is Mark 6, starting in verse 30, as Lee just read. And it's, it's really um, after all of the, the, the things that we talked about last week, where uh, Jesus had healed the paralytic man, and after that, that kind of changed everything. And then the miracles that followed that caused the Pharisees to be more aggressive in their questioning and opposition to him. And now his fame is growing even more and more And now we get to the point where in chapter 6, Jesus has commissioned his disciples to go out to take the gospel, to do the teaching, and he actually gave them, and this is the cool part, he gave them the power to drive out demons and heal people. So get in mind, these are the people that just not too long ago were out in boats and their biggest concern in the world was how many fish were they going to catch? And now they have been commissioned by God himself through the person of Jesus to go out and do the teaching and heal the, the sick and drive out demons. So that's one of the things that he's doing at this point. And the other thing that's happening in chapter six is the beheading of John the Baptist. Now, you remember last week we had said that John the Baptist was the one who had gone before Jesus and prepared the way of Jesus, Jesus was baptized by John and then went out into the the wilderness. Well, then John was arrested. And at that point, Jesus stepped in and started his earthly ministry. Well, John the Baptist didn't just get arrested. He ended up being beheaded. So now there's a lot of confusion because Jesus is growing in popularity. Everybody's talking about him. They're talking about what's going on. They're trying to figure out who he is. And there are people that are saying, I'll bet this guy is the resurrected John the Baptist. I'll bet that's who that is. Other people are saying, no, I, I think this guy must be one of the prophets. He must be Elijah, maybe. Maybe that's who he is. And so they're trying to figure out who he is. And all of the people are just amazed at what's going on. There's a lot of confusion about what's going on. And, and they are trying to figure it out. And so Wherever Jesus goes, there is a crowd of people. And that's, that's what we're going to see here in our text this morning. Um, remember last week, Jesus had snuck around under cover of darkness, and he went to Capernaum, probably to Simon's house, and he was there. Well, we're still in that area now in our text. So if you look in our text, starting in verse 30, 30 and 32, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Stop. How would you like to have been a part of that conversation? These average guys had just been out going throughout the region, doing the most cool things and teaching the truth of the word of God. Think of the things that they saw. Think of the people that had been healed. Think of the people whose eyes were opened and understood the message. Think about all of this. And now these guys are coming back to Jesus and you can only imagine the excitement that they must have felt to tell him all of the things that they had experienced as a re- result of him sending them out. And so they're probably like this, oh, you can, you got to know about this and you, you, you won't believe what happened over here. And and they're just going on and on and on and on and telling him about all of the things that had happened. And I got to think that Jesus, at this point, is listening to them. He's picking up on one thing. Their excitement about everything that they were doing had caused them just to run harder. The more that it happened, the more they wanted to happen. And they couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next. He says, You know what, guys? you need to rest you need to take some time and rest and that's what we need to do is go get some rest and so in verse 31 he says to them come away by yourselves to a de- desolate place and rest for a while for many are coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat and they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves That is a key important thing for us to hear today. Rest, we need to have rest. That's not honored in our American culture. Can we just say that? What's honored is when you have a list of 100 things that you accomplished today, not I rested today. Well, what did you do? sat out in the hammock out back and I rested. Nobody's gonna give you an attaboy for that, but it's in God's plan and it's throughout scripture. Um, as we break down this passage, we're gonna look at a couple of things. We're gonna look at Jesus wanted to fo- focus on rest and on teaching his disciples, but then the second thing is Jesus is moving his attention then after that to teaching the crowd and the events that followed. Um, so their rest was pretty short. Because of the circumstances, they got in a boat because there was a crush of people. And get, get the picture here. They got in a boat into a body of water that's about seven times the size of Sailorville. So we're not talking about the Pacific Ocean, okay? It's, it's a decent sized body of water, but it's not enormous. And they pushed away on the boat thinking they were gonna get away from the crowds because on the other side of the lake, there was just pasture land, there was nothing over there. They thought, we'll just take the boat over there, we'll be away from everybody, we'll get some time away, but as the boat, get the picture, as the boat is going away, the crowd is going like this around the lake, and they are hoofing it to get to where the boat is going, so that by the time the boat gets to the other side, guess what? It's not a desolate place anymore. It's full of people. And they are crushing there because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Jesus tells them <clears throat> to come and rest in a private place. They try to do that. They know it's important. They Think about what they knew. These guys had the scriptures of... Genesis, the Pentateuch, they knew that the creation account in the very beginning in in Genesis chapter 2 was God did all of this and then what did he do? He rested. Is it because God was tired and, and God needed a break and he was stressed out after doing all of that creation stuff? No. But God set the pattern for us that we need to have rest and that rest is important and to have time to rejuvenate. I, I I love the 23rd Psalm. You know, a lot of people have m- memorized the 23rd Psalm. I like the part of the 23rd Psalm that says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. What do you do when you're laying down in a green pasture? You're resting. God values rest. He's modeled it throughout his earthly ministry, and we see it in the Old Testament as well. Rest is important. Verses. Let's go down to verse 32. Uh, Verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there by foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. Verse 34. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Um, That's... This is gonna start to give us the distinction between the way that Jesus saw the crowds and the way his disciples saw the crowds. I I have to admit, if I was in the boat with Jesus and I would just done all this cool thing and I was exhausted and he said, rest, and I'm thinking, good, let's go, just us. And let's go over here and rest. And then I looked and I saw all of these people that had totally exhausted me chasing after us, I would probably have an attitude about that. And I would probably think, really, can't you give us five minutes? And yet, when when the boat came ashore and Jesus saw all of those people, there wasn't a thought like that in his head, but rather he was moved with compassion because he saw those people as his people, as his sheep, and that he was the shepherd that had responsibility for them. Um, he wanted to spend time with his disciples. I guess he got a little bit of time in the boat. You know, They, they didn't swim alongside the boat, so he, he got a little bit of time, but he had compassion on the people when he came to the other side. And the, the whole language of sheep and shepherd is so important It really harkens back to Ezekiel chapter 34. In Ezekiel chapter 34, go ahead and turn there if you will. We're going to start in verse 1. And I want you to really pick up on the language here of the shepherd, the true shepherd, and the false shepherds. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick, You have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they scattered because there was no shepherd, and they brought and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. That's an indictment against shepherds who are not shepherds. They're shepherds who have the title, but not the heart of a shepherd. Their heart was for themselves and not for the sheep. And then in verse 7, it says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord God. Surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the beasts since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. Behold I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their and, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep no longer shall the shepherds feed themselves I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them So he's cast judgment on these people now not only did he judge the shepherds that were wicked and didn't do their job. But this is the important part of the passage, starting in verse 11. He says, For thus says the Lord God Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will feed them in the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall... Feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Do you get the heart of the Lord for his people? He loves his people. He is committed to his people and he will not tolerate false shepherds. He loves them in a way that we can't understand. We are his sheep. Do you ever wonder why he loves you? If you're like me, it's every day. And yet he does. And so as they were bringing that boat to shore, and all these people were crowding around not giving them an inch of space to breathe. Instead of being frustrated with them, he saw them as his sheep and he had compassion on them and he loved them. And so he goes on then to teach them many things of verse 34. It says, when they went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He fed them spiritually. They were confused. They were seeking. They wanted to hear truth. He fed them spiritually, even though physically they were weary. And then you see in verses 35 and 36 how the disciples View of the people is different than Jesus' view of the people, right? So starting in verse 35, it says, And when it grew late, his disciples called to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. <laughs> so the, shepherd, the, uh, the disciples weren't looking to care for the sheep. They were saying, These, these people need to go figure it out. It's late. I don't, we're in the middle of nowhere. They need to get somewhere to get some food. And you see that the the disciples didn't see themselves as shepherds of the sheep. They saw the people as just people, peers. Just you know, go figure it out. Jesus had a different view of them. And I I think this is an. This is one of those if if I can chase one rabbit trail. This is one of the points where you have to resist the temptation to superimpose 2022 thinking into a passage. Because as I read this, where the disciples are saying, you know, well, where are we going to go get that? Are we going to spend all this money to buy food for these people? There's a sarcastic tone that comes to my mind. And yet, keep in mind that these disciples are the same disciples that he had just commissioned, that had just gone out and saw the most unbelievable things happen. They just came back and were telling him all about it. The fact that they would turn on a dime and be sarcastic, I I want to give them the benefit of the doubt here, okay? That they were just genuinely confused on how this was all going to work out. And They said, send them away so they go find something to eat. But Jesus said in verse 37, but he answered them, give them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? In verse 38, he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. So at this point, there has to be some tension in the air, right? Because there are 5,000 men. There might have been 15,000 human beings out there that needed food. And they just told them they've got five loaves of bread. And you know what he said? Great. Go tell them to sit down. Sit down in groups of 150, and and again, think about what they are hearing. When they hear the groups in descending order, they're thinking back to Moses and his father-in-law, Jethro. You know, when Moses was trying to do everything himself, and Jethro said, "What, what you're doing is not good. You need to set men over thousands and hundreds and fifties. And Jesus is saying, here, set the people down in groups like that, and we will feed them. And at this point, the disciples are not in on it, okay? (laughs) I would love to have seen their faces, wouldn't you? I told you we have five loaves of bread. Why are we making people sit down? And yet Jesus knew what he was doing. In verse 41, And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them, and they all ate until they were satisfied. They didn't just get a little snack. They all ate until they were satisfied. Satisfied kind of like when you go over to Jethro's. You know, you can eat until you're satisfied, and then you take something home. Jesus fed them physically. He took care of them. He cared for their needs. He is a good shepherd. He has compassion on his people. You know, it's hard for us to picture really the desperation of the scene that these people were in because we live in opulence every day. You know, I can make myself hungry by not eating by choice, which you can clearly see I rarely do, but I've never gone hungry, you know? I've never been in a situation where I don't have access to food for an extended period of time, and I've gone hungry like these people had. We weren't just saying they should have a potluck and whatever. These people were in a desperate situation, and Jesus took care of their needs. He met their needs, both their spiritual needs and their physical needs. And so when we think of the story of him feeding the 5,000, sometimes we We just boil that down into, well, God can do the impossible, which is true. He can, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. He loved these people. He fed them in every way. He cared for them. And that's why it was so important to look at Ezekiel. It's a juxtaposition between the bad shepherd that rule harshly and unjustly, and the good shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep, all of his sheep. And he goes after every one. So the question is today, this morning, as you're sitting here, what, what do you think of Jesus? You may be sitting here this morning and thinking, I'm so thankful for the work that he's done in my life. I'm so thankful that he has revealed himself to me to be my shepherd, my good shepherd. And I I know that I can trust him. He's never failed. Or you may be sitting out there thinking, oh, Jesus is that judgmental guy that doesn't like anything that I do. And every time I make a mistake, he wants to kill me. You know, we, we all know John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall now perish but have everlasting life. King James, I'm sorry, I learned it as a kid. But we don't talk a lot about the next verse. It says he didn't come to condemn us. We were already condemned. He came to save us. He is the good shepherd. Have you come to the place in your life when you recognize that there are a lot of false shepherds out there, but there's only one true good shepherd and that's Jesus Christ. And he loves you more than you can understand. He's done everything for you and you can trust him. Even when life is hard, even when life doesn't make sense, like most of this story for the disciples, they didn't understand what was going on, but the one thing that they saw was that Jesus could be trusted. Jesus is faithful. And he's faithful for us today. He is the good shepherd. He's so good that we're going to see as we go through the the book of Mark, not only did he provide for them all of this stuff, but ultimately he provided reconciliation with God through his death, burial, resurrection. He is the good shepherd, and we can trust him. And, you know, his, his disciples were a work in progress, and it's fun to have fun with them, but I wouldn't have wanted to been in their shoes trying to figure out all of this stuff. But God was patient. Jesus was patient. He was kind. He was compassionate, and he is with you. Do you know that? Because you know yourself at your worst, right? And when you're at your worst, you feel like a hypocrite. You know, I go to church, but if they knew, really, well, guess what? God does, and he loves you anyway. And that that was the situation with these people. He could have been very frustrated with them. He could have been exasperated with them. But that, that wasn't at all in his mind. He loved them. So this morning, uh, after... The message, as is our custom, we're going to uh, take communion together again. And communion for us isn't just something that we do because it's on the schedule. It's a time for us to remember and to hearken back to the time when Jesus was in the upper room just before he would go to be crucified. And again, the bread that he broke. There was a symbol of his broken body that he sacrificed for us in the cup, the, the shed blood that was poured out so that your sins that you know about today can be forgiven really. As we go to that, that, that event communion is for those who have a relationship with Jesus and that have acknowledged their sin and have accepted his free gift of eternal life, if you're here this morning, and that isn't the reality in your life yet, let this pass. But don't leave today without saying, you know what? I believe that Jesus is a good shepherd, and I believe that he loves me, and even though everybody in my life has let me down, I know that he will never let me down. I want to have a relationship with him. Don't leave today without talking to somebody and praying with somebody about that. So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, uh, what I'm going to invite you to do is just to get up out of your seat and come here to the table so and get the communion elements and take them back to your seat. Don't take them, but spend a little bit of time. If you're a child of God and Jesus is your good shepherd, spend some time reflecting on that. And if you're sitting here this morning and you would say, I, I don't know that that's a reality, spend some time just praying about that. And then after a time, I'll come up and I'll lead us in taking the elements together. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word. Where would we be without your word, Lord? It is so powerful to see how you lived your humanity before us and how you loved the people back then and how you love us today Lord we are so so grateful and so humbled um, Lord I just pray this morning that if there is anybody in this room that that's heard the truth of your word that has not come to the point where they realize that they're a sinner in need of a savior that they have uh, repented from their sins and accepted your free gift lord i pray that your spirit would work in this room this morning and uh you would rescue the lost sheep Uh, we just pray that that would happen and we thank you for all of this in jesus name amen
0: thanks again for listening and we pray this was a blessing to you if you have any questions or comments about what you heard our email is info at inkanygospel.com or you can find us on social media at Inkney Gospel.